All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of season two of Cohort W. I'm your host, USAWAC faculty member and current Warrant Officer Historical Foundation fellow, CW5 Leonard Mominy. In today's episode, my incredible guests will share some personal and professional experience, mentorship, and leadership as a senior Warrant Officer. The senior Warrant Officer will then examine how this insight should ultimately influence action development, and education within their core, and possibly even the greater cohort. The conversation is directed at leader development, talent management, and what they are doing to support the Army for large-scale combat operations. Finally, all Cohort W guests have an opportunity to share a favorite anecdote from their career as a senior warrant officer. Today, I am joined by the United States Army Medical Center of Excellence Command Chief Warrant Officer, CW5, Deanna Hughes. Thanks so much for your time today, ma'am. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I I appreciate the invite. Absolutely. It's our honor. I was just wondering, could you uh, share with the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is CW5 Deanna Hughes, and I serve as the first command chief warrant officer for the Medical Center of Excellence. So the transition of MedCOE aligning under trade in 2019 exposed a, a risk of not having a designated CCWO assigned as a principal staff member nested within the commanding general's initiatives and aligned within the other CAC Center of Excellences. The transition highlighted an opportunity to extend the MedCOE commanding general's reach and influence. So as the MedCOE uh, CCWO, I serve as the commander's subject matter expert. I provide strategic collaboration while ensuring the AMED warrant officer system is fully aligned across the Army health system. And I further integrate throughout the combined arms center and its subordinate organizations. I also serve as a warrant officer proponent and consultant to the Army Surgeon General, Lieutenant General Dingle. I provide subject matter expertise regarding all aspects of medical device technology and health services manpower management as the primary representative for the 670 Alpha cohort. I've been a 670 Alpha Health Services Maintenance Warrant Officer for just over 17 years, and I have been in the Army for over 28 years. I joined the Army in 1991 as a 35 biomedical equipment technician. Um, I have a break-in service for about three years where I worked as a civilian biomedical equipment technician on the civilian side. And in 1998, I rejoined the Army and was trained as a combat medic. I served in numerous positions in that MOS until 2004 when I was recruited and subsequently selected into the 670 Alpha Health Services Maintenance Warrant Officer Program and graduated Warrant Officer Candidate School in March of 2005. So um, just sort of, I guess, an interesting fact is I hail from a large military family. My father retired as a transportation command sergeant major. My husband is nearing his completion of an honorable 30-year Army career, serving initially as an infantry officer and subsequently as a senior officer in the Army JAG Corps. My husband's father proudly served in the Navy. Our oldest son serves as an Army Green Beret. Our daughter-in-law served in the Coast Guard. And our youngest son, who is an Army ROTC, is contracted to serve upon his college graduation. So it's really a family business for us. So obviously, you you talked a little bit about your MOS and your MOS title. 
Um, now there's not a lot of 670 alphas floating around out there, are there? No, there aren't. So from W1 to W5, there are only 79 in Compo 1. So in active duty, there's very few. We're one of the smaller MOSs. So oftentimes when I go back to Fort Rucker to the career college, they'll dub me as the unicorn of the unicorns, right? I'm <laughs> like the, the small group within a small group. The Unicorn of the Unicorns. That has got to be the most fantastic title ever afforded to any CW5. You're right. I, I, I'm happy about it. I'll take it. And this, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to my favorite walks class ever, the Battle Unicorns. They graduated a few months ago and uh, I was lucky enough to get one of their, you know, WWE championship belt size coin. Oh, fantastic. I love that. I have not seen one of those. I bet that's really amazing. The uh, feeder MOS, because mm-hmm. there's not many of you, 79 compo one. What's your prime feeder MOS? So our only feeder MOS is the 68 alpha, the biomedical equipment specialist. So the individuals in this MOS train here at Fort Sam at the medical education and training campus, which is known as MET-C. It is a tri-service Department of Defense program. Um, so, and that's unique because we train right alongside, right from our initial development with all components with the army, air force and Navy. It is definitely tri-service throughout the leadership of that course as well. So, um, the training takes about a year, but upon graduation, the soldiers, uh, then have almost an associate's degree. They're only just a few classes shy of an associate's degree. And we're working now to get that course development with local colleges. One day, our goal is to actually have them an actual associate's degree when they um, graduate. The instructional design for the program provides initial skills and training for biomedical equipment personnel. This includes clinical applications, operation, inspection, maintenance, modification of a wide variety of biomedical equipment systems, focusing on the patient and technology interface. So everything that we do, really, we're focusing not just on maintenance, but also patient integration, understanding how the human body performs and works, and how that technology is applicable to saving patients' lives. That sounds like a breeding ground for technical experts. Pretty in-depth work, and it it, uh, never ceases to amaze me uh, some of the jobs that are out there and uh, how young soldiers and NCOs are are just always knocking down walls and and overcoming tremendous challenges. So a special note about the schoolhouse is that across the nation and really globally, the schoolhouse here at Fort Sam produces the most biomed techs in the world in any given year from one institution. And it is really a world-class education that the people who go through here receive. Currently, our nation is about 5,000 biomedical equipment technicians short on the civilian side, just in America. And it is a very rapidly uh, increasing job. The money is there. It is very lucrative uh, to get this vocational skill. So a lot of young Americans who may be wondering and curious about technical jobs in the army, this is definitely one that is directly um, transferable to the civilian sector. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. Can you tell us, because uh, earlier when we were chatting, you had mentioned that you are the first command chief warrant officer for MedCOE. But can you tell us what some of your work as that senior warrant officer leader involves, just some day-to-day and 
and maybe uh, maybe a little bit of the vision with respect to how you work to serve to the betterment and support of MedCOE, your Corps, and the Army as a whole? Sure. You know, of course, in my previous assignments as a warrant officer to this position as a CCWO really led a found. Uh, led to a foundation that I'm able to reach back on and really get those historical perspectives that I've had throughout the last nearly 30 years to say, what is it at MedCOE that is going to be required to teach, train, to go across the dot mill PF construct to say, what do we need to put into doctrine, policy, leadership, training to ensure we have a properly equipped force for the future? So, um, just to kind of go over a few of the previous assignments, and then I'll get into more of what I do on a day-to-day basis to kind of display that foundation, is I have served as the program director for the um, medical education and training campus for the medical maintenance school there uh, for that tri-service school. Also the director of healthcare technology management at Brook Army Medical Center, which is the flagship of Army Medicine here at Fort Sam. Uh, The chief of medical maintenance management division at the 6th Medical Logistics Management Center, which is a one unit of one currently in COMPA one of the type of work that they do, very intricate and specific. I've been the chief chief of medical equipment technology management for Army Central Command and uh, went forward on special missions throughout the Central Command regions of Afghanistan, Iraq, Kuwait, uh, Qatar, chief equipment management branch of Tripler Army Medical Center and Chief Equipment Management Branch of Fort Belvoir Community Hospital. And I was the chief there when we opened that brand new hospital, joint hospital. Uh, I've been the command chief uh, maintenance officer for uh, US-4 Alpha in Afghanistan, command maintenance officer for 30th Medical Brigade in Germany. I've been a maintenance platoon leader for the 591st Medical Logistics Company. And then, of course, about 12 years of enlisted time uh, prior to that. And my previous assignments have really provided unique opportunities to engage with senior leaders at every echelon. So working at the forefront of enterprise strategic planning while contributing to the planning, programming, and execution of Army and joint logistics policy development. Additionally, I've integrated healthcare technology management capabilities into health service support plans throughout every geographic and functional combatant command. So currently, I advise and assist the MedCOE Commanding General, Major General Michael Talley, subordinate commanders, staff, and warrant officers on all aspects of warrant officer system integration, oversight of warrant officer development, including uh, professional military education, PME, integration into the MDO and LISCO space and continuum, promotion, readiness, career advancement, accessions, and professional development. I provide headquarters DA level warrant officer interface, and I extend the Commanding General reach and influence through integration with Army Senior Warrant Officer Advisors and other CCWOs. The integration across the centers of excellence is important so that we can recognize gaps, develop best practices, and then it is then that we can gain efficiencies across the board. That type of collaboration drives the Warrant Officer cohort outside of potential stovepipes and creates opportunities to align efforts as we develop, educate, and train the Army of 2028. So really a whole gamut across the dot mill PF construct. And perhaps General Talley uh, really summed this up best when he says, the Medical Center of Excellence remains committed to being the foundation for Army medicine, developing leaders and being the engine to driving change. Our Army, the Joint Force, and our nation are depending on us. So I think that truly wraps it up. Well, to any of the uh, younger warrants that may be listening and curious what it takes 
to uh, make CW5 and become the unicorn of unicorns. Uh, that was an inc- very impressive roll-up. All right. A minute ago, you had mentioned uh, focusing in on leader development and, and med COE, uh, having a, a, a very deliberate responsibility to engage with uh, leader development. And not only that, but that that really is an aspect of talent management. So are there any specific uh, focal points or even initiatives that you would like to talk about? not just with the greater field, but to the warrant officers in your core and the leaders they support? Sure. I think that um, some of the bigger initiatives that are really going on Army-wide, but uh, we focus on very specifically here at MedCOE, is the Army PME, Professional Military Education Modernization, as well as the warrant officer accessions modernization efforts that are really... um, guided uh, through TRADOC and through CAC and then dispersed out through the COEs for us to take a very close, in close look at our specialties and figure out what is the best way forward so we can get the right talent in at the right time and instruct and train and teach them and develop these young leaders at the right place and time so that we are the efficient, effective force that we need to be during a LISCO and MDO. So as we educate and develop the 670 alphas, we teach them how to apply specific technical and critical thinking skills initially developed within the complex environment of a military treatment facility, also known as a hospital. And we take these skills throughout a highly dispersed and complex battle space as a LISCO or MDO. So we need to ensure that warrant officer roles are one, reflected in army doctrine and policy correctly. So that is a part of what we do now and part of our initiatives as we look across uh, the very agile, moving forward, transitioning from a coin environment, moving into the LISCO MDO construct, making sure that the Army doctrine and policy are in line with those initiatives. And so we need to institutionalize MDO-focused military uh, education, branch training, and leader development. Uh, One of the big things, I think, that we, we really need to focus on is, yes, the specifics but also instilling in our warrant officers those critical thinking skills, that sound judgment that they may have to make on their own, very individualized, far forward in a dispersed battle space on on a moment's notice. So that is really that subject matter expertise, that subject matter expert that we need to go far forward during a LISCO to ensure that we have the mission accomplished, are moving forward, and that that we are the army that wins. It's, it's not easy finding the right point and uh, being able to get the the students and the talent to to recognize some of the challenges out there. And, and you phrased it kind of perfectly. We're going to have warrants that are alone and unafraid in a very dynamic environment. Now, the shifting sands of the operational environment combined with the dynamic changes in technology creates a constant sort of reframing of exactly what we consider important to the education of our cohort. So uh, what education or training, it could be technical or common core, do you see as being relevant and impactful to the development of the Army warrant officers, especially when we're thinking about the future fight? Right. So I'll, I'll really take it back to the initiative of the, of the chief of staff of the Army 
who says we need our warrant officers to be those technical experts. You know, I'm not sure if you remember, but around the time uh, when I joined the warrant officer cohort in 2005, they talked a lot about us being pentathletes. And that was sort of the word on the street at the time that we need to be very multifaceted and know many different things across a very broad spectrum. So for our cohort, you know, That included us not only going to WOBC, but then we also go to the 70 kilo medical logistics course that the O-grade officers go to. We go to the captain careers course that the O-grades go to, and we go to our advanced course. So we track along with the O-grades and the warrant officers doing double PME throughout our life cycle of our um, professional development. Well, that did create an entire force of pentathletes. Not only that, but we really focused on a lot of different skill sets, whether it was contracting for maintenance or procuring medical devices, maintenance, uh, all the whole gamut of everything. And it was so much that, yes, we're very technically astute across the board, but about an inch deep. But what the chief of staff of the Army wants today is that mild, deep warrant officer in a very specific trade. So I think if if when we're talking LISCO and I'm imagining what it could be like, and I'm thinking, okay, we, it's going to be very complex. It's going to, we're going to be far away. Communication may be cut off. What do we need the warrant officers to do? We need them to be technical experts to a point that they are able to make those technical decisions on their own, develop their critical thinking skills in a way that they're going to be able to have that sound judgment far forward by themselves. So I think first and foremost, the technical training has to be on point. The second thing I think that we really need to train, and it should be for every warrant officer, and I think at a much more junior grade than it's sort of presented today, is the course of how the Army runs. And I think that should be required much earlier in a warrant officer career, because the Army changes so rapidly. You know, there's and I'm sure I'm talking to somebody who's been in the army for a long time. So we even know the acronyms change the way we have the different constructed units change. So you kind of grow out of what you initially learned and you need that refreshing training. So the warrant officer PME modernization is going to get after that, getting the right training, the right time. And then also I think uh, including some of those technical skill set items really far forward and including those becoming really those technical experts. I think, I think that would do it. As an educator, I'm always looking for innovative ideas on education and you definitely offer some thoughts with respect to warrant officer education and how it could potentially best be modernized. Do you think that there are some core competencies that stretch across the cohort that are sort of um, MOS agnostic? Oh, I do. I absolutely do. And I think across the board, there's a few things. I think that mental agility, uh, anticipate future actions, maintain flexibility. I think that is definitely key. A sound judgment. Again, these are all based on future operations, really today's operations. You know, we, we can't keep talking about LISCO like it's far away. We're actually uh, you know, phase zero preparation for it today. Um, I also think that being a steward of our profession, you know, having that um, 
military and professional bearing, acting in a manner that brings credit towards our organization is important. I think being those that professional face of the cohort is incredibly important in order to gain the trust and confidence of our leaders and of our nation is important. And then, of course, with the ACFT, we all knew it was coming. It's here. Um, we need to make sure that we demonstrate our adherence to the physical fitness standards of, of the Army. So I think that those uh, key items are things across that transcends not just the 670 alphas, but across the force for sure. That's outstanding. So obviously, we know that somewhere right now, there is a future unicorn of unicorns um, that is hoping to rise to the position that you now hold. Yeah. Uh, what what do you say to that CW3 or, or CW4? So I think, first of all, it's very exciting to think about this, right? And, and honestly, everybody has the opportunity. Um, it's a great time. This is the advice that I generally give those who I mentor, is that there's going to be things in your file, in your military file, when you go to the promotion board that are within your control, and there's going to be things within your file that are outside of your control, whether they were in your control at one point and now they're out of your control. However it goes, there's going to be two categories of items. The things that are out of your control that you absolutely have no control on, whether that be, hey, I didn't get enough deployments, right? If, if you didn't get them by the time you make go to the five board, you're not going to rush out and get a deployment at the last minute, right? If you, uh, you know, maybe your, your police code, your physical fitness, you know, maybe you have an injury, those things are out of your control, right? You do your best to manage them. The things within your control, going to your PME at the right time, getting your civilian education, right? Uh, you know, making sure your records are straight. Yeah, you know, all of those things, the things that are in your control, doing your best in school, getting the best 1059, getting the best OER that you can do, being the best uh, warrant officer you can be, are all within your control. The minute that you slide on that, the moment that you say, hey, I didn't give my 100% to that task, you've now given a little bit of that control to somebody else on the board to make a decision, yay or nay, to sway. If you're always operating at the very best at 100%, you give the power a little bit less, a little bit less power you give to the people sitting on the board to make a arbitrary decision about you. Your files should be as complete as, as it can be and do as good as you can do every day. Well, ma'am, uh, this, this sadly brings us to the end of our uh, time for this particular interview. And uh, I just want to say it's been absolutely wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. Um, I am really honored that you called me and asked me to speak today. It's really been a pleasure. Well, it is so great to hear senior warrant officers share mentorship with those they seek to serve. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing how a senior warrant officer's leadership can ultimately contribute to meeting the Army's needs for both the current and future fight. For updates on Cohort W and the Warrant Officer Historical Foundation, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Simply search for at WOHF1918 or the Warrant Officer Historical Foundation. Finally, to learn more about how you can support programs like this, please visit warrantofficerhistory.org. Oh,